children, um, you guys too that are here, two of you, the three of you that are here, um, there's a lot of things to be said about all this stuff and us not meeting, but there was something that happened at Redeemer School on, on Friday where uh, some of their students gathered and it was a chapel, and in that chapel they sang one of the greatest hymns of all time, which is, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And, of course, there's no way to sing that incredible hymn without using the hand motions. So it goes, my God is so big. So you, we got to do this together. Yes. So strong. And so mighty. And so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. And then we talk about the things that are his. The mountains are his. The rivers are his. The stars are his handiwork, too. And then we say the first part again. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Okay, we all see it? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, I want to hear it from Mike, too. Yes, sir. Everybody up. Everybody up. Thank you. So mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are His, the rivers are His, the stars are His handiwork too. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. It's profound theological work, and I'm not kidding. That is profound theological statements. But let me read to you from the scriptures. Galatians 5:14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. James 2. Eight. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So one from Paul, one from James, and then from our Lord Jesus' words himself. Jesus said, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. May God bless the reading and preaching of his word. I started writing this sermon while I was on my back porch, t-shirt shorts, overlooking a sunny day with neighbors walking around. And it was yesterday at noon when I got to get started on this. I don't make a habit of that. But my computer and my phone were telling a different kind of story than what was outside. It was a string of notifications that sounded like everything around was about to turn dark. And I always thought to myself, a pandemic would be shot in a greater scale than I'm experiencing right now. It seems like it had the wrong lens. And I found this juxtaposition, easy for me to say, between the tumult of information I was receiving and the beauty of the day, a strange, beautiful thing. 
My week didn't start that way at all. Actually, by Tuesday, it felt like I'd lived a week already. And by Friday, it felt like I lived a month. And these were bewildering times. Redeemer, I try not to write you guys too often, and we had a very difficult thing to write about, or a difficult thing to write about to form you up earlier in the week. But by Wednesday, we're turning around and trying to address this corona thing as well. These weeks have been exhausting to my own heart, made my body tremor with sadness and confusion, made my brain do strange things, strange things. my sleep be all awkward, awkward. It was stress, it was fear. It was not wanting to take on the mantle of leadership. It was sadness. It was confusion. It was sin. It was literally my medication being off as well. It was my finiteness. And for goodness sake, it was a full moon, Friday the 13th, and today's the Ides of March. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but it was the path that Jesus had for me and us, and one I've only walked through with varying degrees of faithfulness. And it certainly has been this coronavirus outbreak. Our kids aren't going back to school tomorrow. In fact, we have cousins coming in from Georgia because they need to be somewhere where someone can look after them while others work. By Italy, my Italian family is all from the north, all quarantined, a couple dozen of them, all safe right now. My mom lives in an independent living facility. It all feels very tense. Our trip to Surge in Spain, where many of us were going, canceled. My kids' orchestra trip to New York canceled. Spring break plans canceled. Even my summer sabbatical seems to be in jeopardy, which I am desperately wanting not to happen. And yet these are privileged complaints. It is true. We only have four rolls of toilet paper right now. But I got money, and I can get more. I'm mourning the loss of possible freedom when so many experience none at all. I'm complaining about the loss of options when so many don't have any in the first place. I've got family, I've got friends, I've got a community, and the power of the living and resurrected Savior living in me and in us. We lack nothing. And yet, I and we are called to faithfulness in, the, in this world, in these particular circumstances, in this particular time, not in the conjurings of what we hope our heads would have constructed before, our hopes or our biggest fears. So how do we live with Corona and in Christ? And that's what I want to talk about today. And that's why I read these fundamental passages for us. Because when wonky things are happening, let us get the most clear things in and on our plate first. The eternal Old Testament and New Testament principle, the one that our, our Lord Jesus came to fulfill, that love of God and love of neighbor are at the center of our life together. This is what is before us. The utter, utterly uncomplicated and absolute relentless reality that, our, that, that the loving of our God with everything in us and the loving our neighbor as if they were us, I know it's if they were we, is at the center of all things. So this is the core. And this core makes us reject some things that we might be tempted to at times and also embrace other things. And so let's just talk about rejecting for a moment. First, we have to reject some things in light of the coronavirus pandemic in this one. And this one I think is for <coughs> We must reject 
Friends, we don't need to be afraid. Our Lord is risen from the dead, and our lives are hidden in Him. Depending on your translation, it is in fact true that the Bible says do not fear 365 times. It seems wise. The reason it says do not fear is because we are apt to fear. Listen, pandemics are scary. But if you're feeling scared, if you're feeling fearful, everyone is afraid at times. If you're alive, you're afraid at times. Pause. Tell them. And tell the neighbor and quickly Lean into each other so that we won't operate out of that fear. I was so proud of our elders and deacons and staff when we decided to not have services and we decided it's on Friday. We and they, none of the talk was about fear. It was not about self-protection or even senseless panic that is clearly out there. We're not, we were trying to act out of love, a witness to the loss and a kindness to the least. And we'll talk more about that later. But y'all... I am not saying do not fear because coronavirus won't affect or harm some people you may, not, may know. I'm not saying that at all. Statistically, I pray and hope not. And especially I hope not in the light of the precautions that we're taking right now as a, as a larger community. But it could happen. And so we're called not to fear when real injury could occur. And as a church that... that that tries to preserve and promote human dignity from womb to tomb, this will grieve us. And yet we will not operate out of fear in it. We will be concerned. We will flounder and fail. But we will not, by God's grace, flee under a sense of fear. We cannot, because our Lord Jesus Christ has already died, and in dying destroyed death itself. And we live and move and have our being in Him. But as we reject fear, we also need to wholeheartedly reject the other kind of response that keeps occurring is folly or foolishness. You know what that is? It's like living like if this was not going to be any way a big deal before we were immune to the virus. And I am so thankful that this virus is not as bad as the flu as it seems in terms of its effects on the, uh, the full spectrum of peoples. I really thank God for that. But we still must resist folly. I mean, it really is a pandemic. Our Italian and German and Chinese and Korean and Japanese brothers and sisters have been warning us of such things. I'm not sure if we're just kind of a don't tread on me kind of way about us, but we, if it's a little bit of hubris or, or if it's just the absolute distrust that we have in sources of media and other things, but including myself, we've been way too foolish about the reality of this coming upon us. I have. We've been a little bit too much like Rudy Gobert. He was the center for, or he's the basketball player for the Jazz, who last week, I think it was, touched all the mics in a conference and then got coronavirus. Mm. And then they shut down the NBA season. Not exactly in that order for those reasons, but you get what I'm saying. And what did he say? I've gone through this so many emotions of learning my diagnosis, mostly fear, anxiety, and utter embarrassment. The first and most important thing is I should apologize to the people that I have endangered. He recognized his folly. So let's stay safe. I don't like the term social distancing. We gotta have some more creative. We need a better term than that. 
But I think we should practice it. We want to love our neighbors without fear. We want to love our neighbors without folly. We want to protect the most vulnerable. We want to be healthy so we can bring healing to bear. We want to suffer well for God's glory without fear. If we fall ill. And we want to bear witness to the mercy and power of Jesus in all that we do. This is not the first, nor will it be the last situation, maybe in our lifetime for some of us. But this has happened in the church years and years and years and every 50 to 100 years all over the world. Martin Luther, during a kind of quirky rise of the bubonic plague uh, uh, where he was, he says, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate. <laughs> Help purify the air. I'm not knowing how that translation got to fumigate. That seems like a very modern word. But anyway, help purify the air. Administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where our presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. <laughs> if God should wish to take me, he surely can find me. <laughs> God love Luther. Real clear all the time. And I have done what is expected to me, so I am not responsible for either my own death or death of another. And then he flips it to rejecting his father. Fear, uh, to, uh, of fear and folly by embracing a kind of love. But he says, if my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely to them. So we don't want to just reject fear, but we want to embrace the things that the coronavirus pandemic is bringing for us, and that is love. It is what we were reading as the center core of what we're talking about, love of God and neighbor, and specifically that we'd embrace love of the least. Friends, starting tomorrow, we will have children who usually eat one or two meals a day in school that will not be able to do so. In Forsyth, in Forsyth County, that's 57% of our children. That's 57% of 55,000 children. I already did the math for you. It's 31,350 students children who won't have their normal meals provided for them. Our children will need extra food and meals in our community. And not to mention 36% of our households in Forsyth are single parent households so childcare gets really wonky right now. At least for two, two weeks this is going to be really tough. And those are just the obvious numbers my non-demographic self can come up with by doing a couple Google searches. Who knows what the impacts will be? And again, I thank God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, that children seem very resistant to COVID-19 and the virus. And I'm super thankful for that. But then we have now our elderly and our other vulnerable people. One of the hardest results of this decision for me as a pastor is, is that so many of our older folks simply don't have the technological wherewithal to actually enter into this situation. And it is our time where we get to see face to face how people are doing, even if they don't know themselves. We need a small band of volunteers to check on our congregation members and neighbors who will be more isolated than, than, than they normally will because they rely, on, they rely they can't rely on technology in the same way. Maybe we need a slew of, uh, 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 of, uh, of Delta Force teenagers to go and make sure they can all work their computers. We can get you cool t-shirts. I don't know. Maybe some iPads. What's that? Maybe some iPads. Maybe some iPads donated something. So, Wendy Brown, here's my notes. Wendy Brown and Sarah Avery are working on this, but please ask if you can help. And frankly, don't wait for them. Don't wait 
This is an organically traveling virus. Let the virus of love be more powerful and more organically traveling than however it does it. Check in with people. Love them. But I want you not just to love for the least, but love for the lost. We not only want to love people in practical ways, we want to love those who are losing their minds at this time. And some losing their fortunes and their jobs. Y'all are friends, and some of us are freaking out right now. The economic and social panic, it hasn't even really started yet. We are hoarding toilet paper. But it gets serious if people start hoarding panic and resentment or ammunition. Christians, we are children of the living God. We are those who Jesus says need not worry about what we eat or what clothes we put on our bodies because he loves us more than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. We are his treasured possessions. The stock market will be freaking some people out over the next week. Jen Sanders was telling me she was talking with the person who owns the high coffee shop. He says, if I have to close down, I don't think I'll be able to open up. People will be tempted to despair or even worse. We have the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's one that we'll need for ourselves so we don't make out either, but also our neighbors need greatly. Because we're all going to feel lost at some point, especially those who have no connection to the eternal Father. As a community, I pray we'll all be in this together as a precise community, but as a church, we have the, of the assurance of an eternal love that comes through Jesus Christ. And that can unite us for him and others. We can be assured that our identity will not be in our work or our bank accounts. And we can bring that, that steady, deep, profound rest and encouragement to bear the world. So yes, I want you to buy gift cards to boost vulnerable businesses. I want you to stay active in community happenings that you're trying to lift the spirits of people. I want you to be like the Northern Italians and those in Rome. Did you see this Facebook? The post yet, Viva Italia, they get out there and they start singing from balcony to balcony. Uh, it's beautiful. Again, Viva Italia. Um, I want you to look for any way to help both believer and non believer to find their identity and security in the eternal God who loves body and soul forever. Amen. But I also want you to take care of your own souls here. Your own bodies here. The love of Christ is in you, for you. We don't want you to get lost in the tumult either, like I even did this week. Before you open your phone or turn on your TV, would you open your heart to the Lord? Would you read some, open your Bible to Him? Would you, would you attune your mind to what is true? Maybe use Psalm 62, for God, for God alone, O my soul, while waiting in silence, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory and my mighty rock. My refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Much better than the first wife of the day. Pastor Tripp and Pastor Chris and I and Wendy and others and Jen are trying to find ways to encourage you through this time. Stay tuned. I think Chris even has a playlist that he's working on. Uh, uh, so, yeah, stay tuned, but don't wait. 
I'm trying to say is that as we embrace love and beliefs and loss, we are embracing our life in Christ as well. And we want to be reminded ourselves to renew our own minds in this. Without fear or folly, full of love, let's figure out some ways where we can help here and stay tuned to one another and stay tuned to our Lord using all the resources we can. And please do follow it and center around our website as best we can and know how to do that so that we can care for one another. We are not an emergency relief organization. We're not, and we will not pretend to be. But we will try to make known our needs and make ourselves available for those who are helping. But friends, I actually don't want to leave you here. What I want you to do, let me say this. As a pastor, maybe a lot of you like in all your vocational places. I think about teachers or business people. If you could just like clear the slate and think, if I could do it all over again, what would I start with? How would it go forward? What would we do? What I want to leave you with is this incredible opportunity we have before us to see the spirit of the living God work in and through us in an amazing, astounding kind of way. Let him astonish us. This season is a gift of clarity. You're not supposed to not have church. It's not good for the economics. It's not good for the trust and connection with one another. It's not good for these things. But this is a clarity that what truly matters in the church, let's use all of our God-given creativity to bless, our, and to bless one another, to show our neighbors who this Jesus is. We have to admit, like any church in any situation, we have always been a great witness to this, his love and power. But now we have this incredible opportunity. Yes, amen. Friends, my prayer is that Jesus comes out looking incredible in Forsyth County yes, absolutely. in this season. Because of the way he's shown on our faces and emboldened our hands and feet to love one another. That we, the way he has wrought patience and laughter amid panic and loss. Though some are trying really hard to make it so, coronavirus is not a Republican or a Democrat. <laughs> it doesn't care if you're still pulling for Tulsi, Aloha State. <laughs> It doesn't care which church you go to or if you're reformed or evangelical or mainline or what. Our divisions seem kind of silly when a pandemic shows up. And so we must imagine a different way than just obeying the good guidance of our medical and political leaders. We actually have another source other than their wisdom, the power of the living God. We can dream of more and be more creative. We, have, we can flip the script of financial fears. We should give, we should, let's give more away as a church than ever. Yes. Amen. Let's figure out how we can, how we can give more time, more money, and more gospel-born love. Yes. Our leaders inside this room right here are greatly concerned, and rightly so, just like everybody else, but they're also having a vision towards how do we live this out in a way that shows the abundance of God's kindness. Yes. 
if we gave sacrificially so that all the major, major stuff was covered? We didn't have to worry about all that stuff. And then we started just pouring it on. We're just like any other entity. We're worried about who we're going to pay, how we're going to do it, all that other stuff. Let's cover that and go. Yeah. We really get, you know, we can do this. We have the instincts for this. And we have the resources for this in Christ Jesus himself. Load up both the general and the deacon's funds so that we can go to the streets with significant distance. Uh, what if we flip the script on community? We can still gather in smaller groups. We can still send notes. We can go on walks together. We can go fishing. We can spend time. We can call folks. We gotta be careful about how, you know, some of this stuff. We can do music and games. We can slow down and teach people how to rest. Wash your hands, but do not wring them here. We can, what can we do to be able to serve our medical professionals. What would we do to be kind to our government officials that are having to make really hard calls? What would we do to encourage the scientists who are working on this, who are not trying to create a problem? Or what if they are in their own, um, who knows? What, what would our witness be? How will Jesus seem to our nervous neighbors? Let's show him his beauty and power. I'm guessing, as we ground ourselves in the utter trust in the sovereignty of God, and an utter reliance on a creatively working out the Spirit's work in our day, that He can look amazing. Y'all, this is what pastors, elders, leaders prophetically long for in every cultural shift. That the radical call to love of neighbor and real clarity about Jesus' work in the world can be expressed with utter clarity. And we have an op opportunity to do that, whether it's a small scale or a large scale shutdown. This is not about us as Redeemer Church. I don't care if the church as we know it survives. Certainly the pastoral ministry has already looked a lot different. I know much has already changed. My epidemiology game but a lot better than I thought it would ever be. <laughs> My technological game needs to get a lot better. I don't know if Redeemer will or if God wants Redeemer to survive in this, go just straight back to normal. Friends, I don't want to go back to normal. I want to make every decision based on love of God and neighbor all the way through as the priority. Yes. I mean, I want the virus to stop spreading. And I really like for my kids to go back to school. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to worship and gather with you guys again. Right. But I want this to be a catapult of clarity and cause. I want every church decision we make, every decision the Hyatt family makes, to be born of this kind of urgency to love yeah. and to worship. I want everything we do to be about the love for our neighbors and the absolute clarity of the beauty, majesty, power, and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, no matter what happens, whether this is a minor blip on the radar or it becomes a very long, very hard and difficult road, when we sit back and be astonished at what Jesus has done among us, through us, in us, that we would bear witness to the resurrection of Jesus. 
in our love for him and our love for neighbors. Pastor Tom Sua Samua, I don't, I'm, I don't know Chinese at all, the Fangioshi Church of Wuhan province in China, says this, our brother who's been teaching me through his writing. We're to seek peace for this city. Seek peace for those who are afflicted with this illness. Seek peace for the medical personnel struggling on the front lines. Seek peace for every government official in China at every level. Seek peace for all the people of Wuhan, for Winston-Salem. And we can, he writes, through online networks, guide and comfort our friends and loved ones with the gospel, reminding them that our lives are not in our hands, and to entrust their lives to God, who is faithful and true. This community is known for being on the front lines of caring for people, even burying people who've come into the province, recording it, sending it back to their loved ones so they'd have a way of living. Being present and prayerful in all things. And so he writes, so brothers and sisters, I encourage you to be strong in the love of Christ. If we experience death deeper in this plague than we understand the gospel, we will experience the love of Christ more deeply and be closer to God. Like our Lord Jesus, who experienced cruel death by faith, but God raised him from the dead and set him to his right hand. Y'all, it's not about us. It's about our Lord, his beauty, his honor, his love. Hallowed be his name. His mercy, his power. His name being made great in this world. So let's keep watch. Gird our loins, wash our hands, and see that it really is true. There's nothing our God cannot do. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.